Broadcasting from the Woodpecker Studio in the great state of New Hampshire, welcome to the Sounds Like a Search and Rescue podcast, where we discuss all things related to hiking and search and rescue in the White Mountains of New Hampshire. Here are your hosts, Mike and Stump. Okay, I just hit record, so everything is on the record at this point. So, Episode 66, Stomp. Get your kicks. Episode 66. Yeah, normally I would say I'm from the I'm in the Woodpecker Studio, but the Woodpecker Studio has turned into a doghouse. Doghouse? Yes. Oh, is that? That was interesting. Is that a, a UFO? It is. <laughs> I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, I'm in the doghouse. My daughter is like mad at me because. She's got this internship where she has to go in the office on Wednesdays to like experience the culture of culture of what of, of the, the office. office. Like she, yeah, she works remotely, but like she's like, I want to experience the culture. I'm like, so if you're just starting the workforce, like just a heads up, if you go into an office, like there's no culture, so don't worry about it. <laughs> but she does her laundry on Tuesday nights before she gets ready to head down to Worcester and do her thing. So. Yeah. She got mad at me because I was like, you can't do laundry because we're recording tonight. <laughs> so I'm in trouble. Yes, you're in the laundry doghouse. Huh. Yes. Well, exactly. there's always tomorrow morning at 4 a.m. You can get up and do your That's laundry. True. That, that's what I told her. I was like, just start it earlier. Anyway, but, uh, but anyway, so the, we're in the Woodpecker studio here. Um, hi, Yuma. Yuma is with us. It's, is that, I pronounced that correctly, right? Yeah. Hello. Hello. All right. Thanks so, for joining us. You ready? Of yeah. course, thanks for having me. You ready? You ever done a podcast before? You've done a couple of podcasts, I saw. I have done a few. Oh, okay. man. So, we expect big things of you then. thought we were the first. Oh, please, don't do it. My <laughs> <laughs> expectations always lead to failure. <laughs> no, you'll be fine. You'll be fine. Um, so, Stomp, I was thinking about Andy Cannon and his um, his hiker poll uh, survey, and I, I thought of another reason why you want to bring hiking poles with you when you go hiking. Okay, do tell. So I was uh, in Evans Notch a couple of times this weekend, and I'm an early hiker. So when you hike early and you don't go on trails that there's a lot of traffic, there's cobwebs. And oh, the, yeah, the cobwebs yeah, yeah. were out of control. So yep, another I reason that I was like literally hiking like I had one pole in front of me, like over my head, and then I was using the other one as I normally would. Otherwise, like I would have been completely like covered. I totally get it. When I, you know, when we talk about um, Hazelton Brook, when you're bushwhacking, that's that's it, man. That's your life. Cobwebs. Oh man, I get it. You just got to suck it up and go. Yeah. If you're first out I, there, that's it. I don't it. know that's if I life. have like sensory issues or something, but like I get <laughs> get skeeved out by like it's just like that light touch of the cobwebs. Ugh. <laughs> I don't like it. So that's another <laughs> that's another one in the plus column for hiking poles. <laughs> it makes sense. So you're gonna walk like like an invader with your sword. <laughs> not really. Not really. Like I was like I just kind of had it like at my hip, but I kind of angled. I extended the pole out as long as I could because you want yeah. it to be like a little bit above your head. And then like I kind of angle it out so that it's it's kind of like catching the cobwebs and then they run down the pole and break instead of them like wrapping around your head. You could always sleep in a little bit and let some other folks grab them. Yeah, well, then I might see <laughs> Right, people. Yuma? Right? I agree. 
<laughs> I, I like going early. I don't want to see anybody. So, anyway, uh, so Stomp, we had a bunch of congratulations here. There's a lot of stuff going on over the last couple of days. Um, the first on the list, and we may never get to the show opening here, Yuma, so just hopefully you, you drank coffee. <laughs> I'm here for it. All right. Awesome. So... Um, We've got the new fastest known time for the four thousand footers. So this is a, this is a, would be the Deratissima, right? Basically, stomp. Deratissima. Yep. Yeah, yeah the forty-eight all at once. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, Alyssa Gadeski. So she is a. I'm just not familiar with her, but I, I don't keep track of like the, the trail runner community that closely where I know names. I know it's like hot, but I, I just don't know the name. So Alyssa is a. She seems like she's a pretty accomplished runner. So she's got the FKT for the long trail and the Adirondack 46. I don't know if like they designate between the male and the female fastest known time for the long trail and the 80K 46, Mm -hmm. but she's got the overall fastest time, men, women, whatever, for the 4,000 footers. So Will Peterson had established the previous record um, like a few weeks weeks ago. ago. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was really soon, yeah. Yeah, and she, she um she beat it. So he was like three hours and twelve, or three days and twelve. Um, <laughs> Can you imagine three hours? hours? Yeah, yeah. And then she <laughs> she was like she beat it by about three hours or so, which is pretty impressive, <clears throat> huh? So uh, Larson's ears burning out there. <laughs> yeah, or Steve. Maybe. Maybe. Well, it's interesting because like this. So the progression for the fastest known time, like Andrew Thompson set it in 2014, and then Will Peterson broke it by about an hour and a half a couple of weeks ago, and now Alyssa has broken that by about four hours. That's pretty impressive. And just with the female um, record was previously four days, 14 hours, she beat that by a full over 24 hours. Which is crazy, yeah. Yeah, four hours is a huge chunk of change. That's amazing, super impressive. And this is supported, oh, yeah. so I, I don't know. Like, oh yeah, I'm yeah. Assuming yeah. that all you know, all these folks that did this supported, I'm assuming they had like pretty good sized teams. But I, I don't really know. I don't see how you is. do it, uns, you know, without support, unless you're dropping caches and just you know, in the woods and just digging into the caches and moving on, which is what some people do. Well, that's what Rich and Arlette have, like the, the they have the winter and then they have, um, Arlette has the female unsupported. So I think that means you just carry all of your food with you the whole time. Yeah. And that's like eight days or whatever, so. You mean you're shaking your head like, ho. Oh. <laughs> Oh, I was just mad about carrying my food for two days, so. Seriously. Seriously. <laughs> Let alone. I know. Hey, oh, gosh. It's, it's amazing what people are doing out there. Yeah, but it's interesting, Stump. So this got me, like, I, I like I started, like, I was like, okay, well, I had already, I had always heard that, like, with ultra running, the longer the distance, the more the sort of equality around. Like, I think with running, it's something like, it's like men are like 17% faster on average, I think up to the marathon or something. But then once you get into ultra running, the gap starts to close. 
it, it takes a long distance for it to finally close, but they, I was reading and they were basically, the researchers said like, I think it's like when you get to these races where it's like over 150 miles, yeah. there's a point where women on average become faster than men. And what they said oh. is that I think women can burn fat more efficiently and that the estrogen that they had, the higher level of estrogen have some benefit once you get past like a crazy amount of distance. Which mm. which I thought was interesting. So they haven't really done a ton of research, and there's not a lot of races where people are going over 150 miles. But it, Andy I, Cannon, I found it pretty interesting. If Andy's listening, there's your next uh, task. Yes. <laughs> yeah. That is interesting. So, I mean, there's yeah. such a huge psychological component too. I wonder if there's a difference. You know. Yeah, I mean, regardless of gender, you only would have a certain amount of people that just have the inherited sort of mental grit to be able to run those distances and it's just like I feel like there's there's a certain yeah. like kind of screw that has to be loose in your brain I think well yeah I don't think that's to... specific to gender or anything like that too no. I think that's no. like really individual yeah. <laughs> I mean I don't know it's crazy but um, I'm interested like I wonder if this is going to set off like a a whole push to like um try to like beat it um, we'll, we'll have to get her in I have one question for her. How were the views? Like, did these people get to see the views or the, are they just like cruising, looking at their feet? <laughs> I don't know. And I also don't know how they handle the the transitions off the trail. Like, do is there bushwax? Like, how do they handle Owl's Head? And like, I, I haven't really done the research to figure out how they they do that whole... Tie it all together. The, the whole course. I know there's like an established diratissima course that most people handle. I just don't know where the bushwhacks are on that and where the roadwalks are. Yeah, I'm sure like on Fastest Known Time, you can download the GPX and uh, you know maybe she's carrying a uh, GPS with her. I, I'm not sure. That's a good question. Yeah, yeah. They uh, And there's a whole, like I'll, I'll put in the show notes like the, the FKT page for the 4,000 footers and it's, it's pretty interesting. And then they have a whole... There's like a four-page set of rules around self-powered versus supported versus winter versus tandem and all these rules. So yeah. I'll put that on there. Yeah. Congrats. But speaking of you know, moving on to congratulations, we had just talked about Rich and Arlette. Arlette goes by Apple Pie, um, and she just completed the, um, the 11th National Scenic Trail out in Wisconsin, so... That's a huge accomplishment. I think that's probably, even though it probably won't get a lot of attention, like to me, that's like one of the biggest ones. So the 11 National Scenic Trails, so you're talking the Appalachian Trail, Pacific Crest, um, AT, I think she was on the, I forget the name of the trail she was on in Wisconsin that we talked about. Yeah. Is it like the Ice Age? Ice Age Trail, yeah. Yeah, so, but it's it's crazy. I was I was reading off the list of my wife and my kids and like, um, just reading the mileage on those, and I was like, you know, one trail's like twenty five hundred miles, another one's forty. The north, I think the the, the northern trail, whatever she did, is like forty six hundred miles. Yeah. So it has to be at least, I would think, you know, twenty thousand, thirty thousand miles that she's she's hiked on those trails, hmm. which is crazy. Interesting. Just a sidebar: uh, Chesley is at the halfway point on his excursion. Chesley treks, oh, he is. yeah, halfway point. PCT. And then some. I forget what he's doing, but he's doing the grand loop over there. So I can't wait to have him back uh-huh. to talk about that. Halfway point. Can you imagine? Wow. It's been months. Well, 
Yeah, and I wonder if he had to skip past some sections of California because I know Snow? Matt, who was also Pawsey, him and his wife, they flipped up to Oregon. Yeah. So they're going, I think, they're, they've skipped sections in California because it was too much snow. So I don't know. Yeah, if, yeah. Uh, I, I have been looking at his posts and the snow pictures are just insane. So I'm sure that's yeah. uh, putting a few hurdles in the way. Yeah, exactly. But so anyway, congratulations to Alyssa. Congratulations to Arlette. We're definitely going to be. I'm going to be reaching out to her see if we can get her on at some point. And then the last congratulations. This is a late one, but I wanted to throw this out to uh, Trish. Her, who is the her and her daughters um, founded the Terrifying Twenty Five Trail List. So she actually just completed the Terrifying Twenty Five this week. Which I thought thought was interesting because she's like <laughs> the creator ninety five percent along in her grid, and she still hadn't finished. I think she had to do like some stuff on the um, like King Ravine or whatever. Huh. Um, so she completed her list too. So congratulations, Trish. And so wait a minute, have the kids finished the list? The kids have. I think the kids. Have, I, again, I'm not sure. I'm, I think that they grid they redlined or traced or whatever the whole. Um, white mountain guide so i think that they've done it she just hadn't gotten to yeah. it but she's done like 95 percent of the um the white mountain guide at this point so she just had to finish up her last few yeah. but i had said i wrote a note congratulating her on her on the facebook page but like it's that that set of trails is some of my best memories like a lot of them are solo hiking but still some of my best memories hiking yeah do you remember trails. uh carrying my ass down uh the, the ladders of rippers <laughs> <laughs> yes, I do. God, I was terrified. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was um, that was my more 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 impersonable. I was in a, a state of shock. I don't quite remember. <laughs> you, he was like, so he's, it is so weird. Like Stomp has um, like five six years ago, he was I have like PTSD. That's what I have. The shoot of Mount Lowell. So I'm like, I always thought like he's not afraid of anything. And then we did like a traverse <laughs> along the, the Squam range and we're coming down the ladders of um, Mount Morgan. Yeah. And he's like, you, Mike, you got to take my backpack. I can't do this. <laughs> oh, so I was no. like, what happened to you? So, yeah, it was pretty sketch. I was ready to throw my yeah. big like 30 pound pack off the cliff and just let it crash so that I could get down these ladders. But uh, Mike was a gentleman and uh, carried my pack down for me. Oh, yeah. thank you. Happy to so be so sweet. Yes. That was our first date. All right. <laughs> All right. So again, congratulations, Alyssa, for the, the FKT. Congratulations, Arlette, for the 11 National Scenic Trails. And congratulations, Trish, for the Terrifying 25. Um, so moving on, Stomp, me and you have been exchanging crazy outdoor videos for the last week and week or so. <laughs> yeah, right. so Yuma, what we do for the show is like, We'll, we'll somebody will send us a news article or somebody will send us a video or we'll find a video and we have a, like a chat going on and we just send stuff back and forth like nonstop. and then once we're ready to build the script for the show we just start adding stuff that we think is interesting that we want to talk about yeah. so that's how the script comes to life um, so Stomp the first one you sent me I've seen this video before and I'll, I'll post this on the the show notes but there's a video of this guy who is like I feel like he's a shaman or something. I don't know. He's like a new age type of dude. Yeah. Um, and he's... Right place, right time. <laughs> yeah. He's like singing a song. It's a Bigfoot thing. So he's like singing to a deer. So he's like, he's trying to like, um, 
ghost whisper a deer right and the deer is like kind of like the video pans out and this guy's like singing and then the deer approaches him and then in the distance there's these like two figures that sort of look like predator they kind of like blend into the environment correct and then like all of a sudden you can kind of see them and everybody claims that it's bigfoot but it's oh, ridiculous big, big it's feet like, it's so obvious like <laughs> plural cgi or something stupid i know so, it's so ridiculous we've never really had a good talk about big feet or big foot we should do that sometime i know a few people that are into that whole lore and it is sort of funny yeah so when you did this video it sent me down a rabbit hole for an hour or two and i started like looking at bigfoot videos right. and like there's no first of all there's no such thing as bigfoot i'm sorry to break it anymore every one of these videos is like i spotted bigfoot and it's like uh, we have the best cameras in the world like oh, this yeah, camera yeah. here is like unbelievable Every one of these cameras is just like blurry and moving around and like Bigfoot's like a mile away and it's it's Yeah, but I think it, none of them but are. it is interesting that like this this story sort of carries over into so many different cultures and nations and we're not the only place that have, you know, seen these things or whatever. So there's like definitely a a generational uh carry on of this like totem, you know what I mean? It's it's very interesting it's a huge rabbit hole for sure absolutely yeah and we we've talked about this before stomp and i i have like a unified theory on this and the reason why bigfoot exists and like why we have these um mythical creatures and these you know these stories that are passed down from you know generation to generation is is it's very sort of like embedded into our genetics when we were, you know, hunter-gatherers, there was a need to protect the kids. And when you were out hunting and gathering and you had like an unruly kid, the way that you would manage the protection of the young people who were very valuable was you would come up with stories to put fear in them so that they would stay close to the proximity where you are. That's why like religion, you know, the original religions had bad, evil gods that would strike you down if you misbehaved. There's always stories about monsters in the woods. And that's basically like this stuff has been, it's embedded into our G- DNA. And that's why you have these stories. Interesting. Yeah. You yep. got it all figured out there, kid. Congrats. Yeah. But moving on to a more positive story, uh, tourists in Yellowstone continue to get gored by bison. Yes. So. Well, that's, you know, speaking of evolution and everything else, (laughs) there's a natural selection right there in action. Please don't approach bison. We will uh, provide the link and you can watch the video, but it's just more people getting right up in the faces of these massive creatures. Don't do that. Moving on. <laughs> it's crazy, yeah. But it, well, there's so a 71 year old lady got gored, and then there was a 34 year old guy. And then, in addition to the video you sent me, there's another video that just dropped of a, of a like, it looked like a field trip. Okay. And it was like maybe 15 people, and they're literally just walking right past um, two bison, like giant ones. And they're little kids. Yeah. And it's just crazy. They were probably within 10 feet. Hmm. I think that they should like bring, you know, or or have like uh, staff from these parks go with these groups if that's going to happen because that's just ridiculous. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Yeah. But um, I'll I'll include both of those videos in the show notes. And uh, apparently, there's been three goring so far in Yellowstone so far this year, and it's it's pretty early. Yeah. 
it seems like uh, that educational component is missing there and they need to tell these people better at the start I don't know what the problem is it's crazy yeah, the next one, the next good video that I'll, I'll put on the show notes is there is a video floating around the internet of a lady who is clearly like not an outdoorsy person. Like she's very well put together. She's got her purse on. She's at some sort of a like um, rest stop or a rest area or whatever. And she's minding her own business sitting on a bench with like a little cover over her. And, um, I think she thought it was a dog, but it was really a black bear comes walking up and was sniffing her. Hmm. She was very concerned about her purse, so she pulled the purse back, and then there was a nice young lady that was like telling her, like, um, I would just like kind of chill. If you talk to it and make it aware, it'll be fine. It's a black bear. And it was just a funny commentary where like the lady just seemed like she had no idea that a black bear was sniffing around her. <laughs> and then the young lady trying to coach her on what to do. On not to panic was just pretty funny. Wow, yeah, that's that's amazing. A lot of bears. I saw a bear actually on my Hazelton that I'll talk about. It actually scared the pants off me because it was massive. I thought it was a moose, but it was actually a bear right off to my left. I'm so disappointed. I've never. Have you ever seen a, a bear out hiking, Yuma? Never. Me neither. I'm so disappointed. Hmm. I think as they get bigger you don't want to see them <laughs> when when you approach one that's the size of like a fridge yeah you don't want to see a bear it's pretty pretty intimidating yeah. like holy moly yeah. yeah exactly and the last one is just like there's a video of a dog that um that actually got killed protecting some kids from a mountain lion so it's a hero dog which is pretty cool so i'll include that in the show notes as well uh mountain lions i think most of the time when those things attack you don't even see them coming so good thing the dog was there yeah. Um, so that's all I had for crazy videos. We did the congratulations stomp. You put a couple of notes on here. Um, 25 years ago, two twisters struck New Hampshire. Do you want to talk about yeah, that? Yeah, who knew? Um, I did not know that New Hampshire was prone to this. I do recall that the North Haverhill or the Haverhill Fair a, f- a number of years back had a, an incident uh, where uh, one of the tents collapsed and I'm not sure if people died during that or were just injured but I believe there were fatalities if I remember correctly but over the 4th of July weekend it was 25 years ago today or then that two tornadoes touched down and they were they were EF1s so the lower category but they were still 100 mile an hour winds so it hit the Cheshire Fairgrounds at the time, damaged a summer camp, a sawmill, and the town's recycling center. Apparently there was, oh, actually they were upgraded to EF2s, which is uh, 135 miles an hour. So that's pretty unusual. I remember several years ago, yep. we started getting them down in mass, which is a, sort of strange as well. Like growing up, that was never a phenomena, but they seem to be changing their you know, trajectory or location. Yeah, there was like, I think like five, six years ago, there was a really well-formed tornado that was in like Worcester or Central Mass or something like yeah. that. Did some damage. Oh, that, so hopefully there won't be any more in the Hampshire. Yeah, there was one that hit um, in the in the uh, Berkshires a few decades yeah. ago or maybe a decade ago. Yeah, it's true. Maybe it was in Springfield now that I'm thinking about it and maybe it wasn't Worcester. But yeah. um, hopefully, 
I mean, I do think that like with with the uh, the bomb Genesis storm from like six or seven years ago, there was like a bunch of mini twisters. Like I know that like the weeks got the weeks mountain like that mountain range in between like Wombach and Cabot, like that got completely decimated by blowdowns. And and then I think also like Willie Tom and Field, there's some open sections there, or maybe that section between isolation and Glen Boulder too. Like some of those sections have been wiped out by mini twisters for sure. Yeah. Scary stuff. On a positive note, yeah. up uh, on the observatory on Mount Washington, there were northern lights on the 4th. On Actually, on the 4th of July, which is pretty cool. That's pretty sweet. Can you yes. imagine being up there for that? I've, I've never seen them. Have you guys seen them? Never. Never? No, me neither. The, the, I sort of saw them one year on, when I was doing Reach the Beach. We were running in the lakes region, and people were saying that they could see the northern lights. So we could sort of see. You couldn't see them that well, but you could sort of tell that something was going on. Um, when you got into the higher regions. But I wouldn't have known unless somebody had said, like, you know, there's reports that the northern lights are visible. So Yeah, how about when you went to Iceland? Nothing, no. Nothing. Because no, I was in I was in August uh, and okay. there's no darkness. Okay. You know, it was like maybe three, four hours of darkness when I was there. <laughs> that's such a strange thing too. Wow. Yeah. yeah that's yeah, so neat. Was, uh, yeah, wow. Weird sleeping. So you get a little bit of like you get dusk around like ten thirty at night, ten o'clock at night, and then it does get dark from like eleven o'clock until maybe like three in the morning, and then it it kind of goes away. Yeah, and it's light out again. Gotcha. Well, hey, it's only been almost twenty eight minutes. We're still on the opener. You mean you hanging in yeah. there or what? We're trying to break our record. Great. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Um, what is the record? I think oh it's like forty-five minutes before we've gotten to our first subject. So, oh yeah, uh, but we'll get we'll get you. I got to go to bed, so we'll get there. Um, so next up is it's blueberry picking season is coming. Um, so stomp. I just very quickly here. Um, my advice, if you want to go blueberry picking, um, the, my experience, the best area that I'm aware of is uh, Burnt Meadow and Stone Mountain in um, Brownfield, Maine. If you want to go up there, it's a short hike, four-mile loop. I'll talk about it again, but like, there's a ton of blueberries up there. Yeah, um, Go up there with your, I call it a, a like a rake or a, we have like those containers with the combs on them or whatever and you can just scoop out the blueberries so if you can yeah. get one of those i think you can buy one of those go up there and, and it's well worth it yeah like one of those um lice combs that you have to get your kids when they're in middle school yeah, yeah there you go <laughs> i just <laughs> but, got my head shaved off <laughs> but um i actually i i posted that for us because i saw them up on welsh dickey the other day so if you're hitting some of these you know, lower elevation, 2,000 footers, you're going to find them right now. So that was the 10th of July. So they're they're really popping right now. And uh, man, that's a nice on-trail snack. And uh, it's funny, the bears love them too. So you got to get them before the bears get them. So they come out at night and they'll go scouring through all those patches up there. Yeah, and I think the closest I've seen, uh, matter of fact, I saw a post about somebody on Roberts, but Mount Roberts, which is in the Lakes region, I was hiking there like a year or two. I did like an evening trail run, and I could hear the bear up in front, and Roberts has these like, I don't know if you guys have been on it, but like it has these like narrow sections that open up to like wider ledges. 
Mm-hmm. So, and you kind of like have to go around corners. So it was like in these narrow sections, you're hearing like noises. And I was thinking like, geez, I'm going to stumble right on top of a beer, but there's a ton of blueberries up there. And I think that like there's the, I did see the beer when I got back down to the, uh, the parking lot and I was driving out, the beer ran across the street and it was huge. Um, but <laughs> Roberts is another place where you can get blueberries. Yeah. Oh, it's awesome. It's it's awesome. I remember Mrs. Stomp will probably be upset at me for talking about this, but there was a, a she had a sort of a mild hypo, hypoglycemic moment on one of these hikes, and uh, it was one of those patches that actually pulled her out of it. We found them, and um, I, I don't know if we maybe we packed light or whatever. I don't quite remember, but we had a bunch of uh, blueberries, so she had a bunch of those and started feeling better and got rolling again. Pretty neat little sugar fix. Yeah, and if you're a um, if you if you have kids and the kids are like weary about going hiking, um, I think Black Cap is another one that we used to get um, blueberries on. That's a that's a short hike. But mm. if you have kids that are weary about going hiking, if you can find a, like a short hike that has blueberries yeah. and have them go blueberry, that's perfect. Huh, that's awesome. Yeah. So right, anyway, so hey, moving on here. Yeah, we got a couple got last things about, here. Yeah, Pennzoil boots. What is that? Dude, this is epic. It's a new way to condition your boots. I was giving my truck an oil change the other day. And then when I was heading over to uh, dump the oil holder into the, the container, I it, it like folded like a taco. So basically, basic, like a quart or two of oil, used oil, poured all over my boots. So I condition my boots with old motor oil. It's fantastic. Now my, my boots, whenever I'm hiking, I feel like I'm at Jiffy Lube. It's super cool. And my boots are really conditioned nice. It's awesome. Yeah. I think that's going to dry them out. I don't know what's going to happen, but it sort of sucked. <laughs> I'm like, are you yeah, kidding yeah. me? <laughs> yeah. I think eventually it'll dry them out and then they'll have, um, you know, maybe like the like whatever the threads are will eventually crack on them or something. I don't know what the bad thing is. Great. Well, just my luck, right? Just my luck. Exactly. And then uh, you want to plug your PT? Yeah. Hey, listen, you know, people know I'm a PT. So what I was thinking of doing for listeners is um, setting up office time on weekends. If anybody's interested or in the need or in the, you know, looking for exercises to help prevent or manage something that they're struggling with, just drop a direct message and uh, let me know and we can set up an appointment and uh, get you checked out. Awesome. We'll put yeah. that in the show notes and post that across here. Oh, Yuma needs help. Yeah, like me, me. <laughs> What's going on? You get something going on? Top secret? Um, no, I, I was doing some injuries last season and then marathon training. And oh, just, uh, chronic stuff. Getting through them. Yeah, yeah. I hear you. It's just, it's new chronic, right? <laughs> yeah, it's tricky. It's endless. With the marathon training, it's like between the Achilles tendonitis, the IT bands, like it's just endless with stuff that you can damage yourself with with marathons. Yeah. Well, cool. I can take a peek sometime or another, Yuma. Don't you worry. I appreciate it. Awesome. All right. So um, next thing here. So our friend Rebecca um, Sperry, she had um, messaged me. Stompy, she probably messaged you as well. But she was like hiking. So she's doing her White Mountain Guide stuff. Yeah. She was hiking up the Israel Ridge Path. She ran into, and we. I've had this happen to me. Steve Mason's had it happen to me. Now Rebecca's had it. I know. She ran into like a um, abandoned gear. So somebody had set up their sleeping bag on the trail. It included like their clothes and stuff was strewn around. I don't think there was a backpack there, but like her sleeping bag and some other stuff. 
she, this a lady apparently had left her stuff there, and Rebecca was like, she posted it. She and she sent it to the um, fish and game, I guess, to just ex, to um, see if anybody had called in or whatever. And I think somebody went up there and like took all the stuff down. But she was just like, it's very weird that someone would just abandon their their gear like that in the middle of the night. Yeah, she she approached me as well. But uh, what's weird about it is it had like uh, underwear and stuff like that. Like it's just odd stuff that people would like. Who would leave this behind? It seemed like it was sort of urgent or maybe like a rush or something. Like let's get the hell out of here fast. I don't know. I haven't heard a thing about it beyond that. But uh, it's always good to call a fishing game when something like that pops up. You never know because there are active searches throughout the state going on and this and that. So it doesn't hurt to drop a line and just let them know, hey, I found this. And so, you know, if you can grab a GPS coordinate, that's even better. So they can go right to it and check it out. Uh, but yeah, who knows? Yeah, and she, um, she was just like, I don't know what the deal is. And I kind of forgot about it. And then when I was hiking, like in order me to... I was like solo in Evans Notch and I was like getting hit by cobwebs and I was thinking about it and my theory on this is that the most plausible thing in my mind if there's no like foul play or anything going on is I bet you somebody probably like they just the the dark caught up with them and they decided like they were just going to sort of sleep on the trail maybe they weren't planning necessarily to sleep on the trail but they they hunkered down and then like maybe they heard an animal or like a bear or a moose like came close to them. They got freaked out and they just got the hell out of there. That's probably to me is the most plausible scenario on why that would happen. They just got freaked out by an animal and decided to take off. Yeah. Or they were sleeping on trail and got abducted by aliens. True. That is true too. <laughs> That's possible. Yes, it is. Um. Okay, so, and then the next thing here is listener feedback, kind words from Olivia Overton. I, I didn't see this email stop, so. Olivia, thank you so much. She had kind words for me or you? Well, just let's see what she says. She says, just wanted to say thank you for the stickers. I put one on my car two days ago and already had a stranger ask me about it. Good advertising. Thank you both for this podcast. I look forward to listening every week and thoroughly enjoy each episode, the banter, the jokes, the cats, the long intros, da-da. and of course, the hiking tips. I love it all, and I hope you keep this podcast going for a long time. You both are so awesome. Olivia. <laughs> Pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, it is cool. I had, um, yeah, so thank you so much, Olivia. I actually had a cool. little, like, a cool little story here, so Yuma, we will get to you, I promise. <laughs> Um, so with the with the with the stickers and everything, um, I'm trying to remember what happened. So I gave my daughter my daughter's in college. She lives in like this apartment in Worcester with like six other girls. And um, oh, Jesus, hopefully it's a a sizable place. <laughs> yeah, it's like a big like it's not a sorority house, but it's like it's like that. But apparently, like one of the her roommates tagged us. So she's one of the like. Um, notable hikes of the week or whatever so she tagged us because she had finished her 4,000 footers or whatever so um, apparently like because Caroline had all of her stickers so she had brought her stickers to the house or whatever so I think one of her roommates like knew that I did this podcast and the girl that had posted like the notable hike Caroline's roommate saw that like she had given us a shout out and she's like hey I know my, my roommate's father host 
the podcast. And and then she told my daughter, and my daughter's like, "Oh my god, it's so weird that like my friends actually listen to you. Like, a, a friend of my friend listens to your podcast." So that is weird. Kevin Bacon, yeah. like yeah, six degrees. Laughing, so. yeah. <laughs> it's getting more and more common. And, uh, so I was like, "I'm cool. I'm cool with the young generation." Yeah, I in my Hazelton Brook. I'll be brief about it, but I there's another one there. It's getting weird. Like I'm glad people love the podcast and stuff, but it's it's starting to get a little freaky how widespread it is. It really is. Yes. Like what? I haven't met anybody on trail yet, but anyway. Well, this is great um, but, because the place I was in was the most obscure place on earth, <laughs> and all of a sudden I see a family come in, and I'll tell you the rest. Stomps <laughs> a celebrity. All right. So anyway, um, so. Thank you for the good feedback. If you're a listener and you want to give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, that would be great. I think we have like 78 five-star reviews, so if we can get to 100, that would be great. If we deserve it. Also, we are um, we are approaching 100,000 downloads. I think we should hit that in the next couple of weeks. Oh, heck yeah. Um, we're going to try to put together a live show. I think Stomp's working on the details, so we'll we'll get to that when we... When we do, but I think sometime in September we'll be doing a live show and we'll we'll get more details about that. Yep, you got it. Um, if you want stickers, we will, and Yuma, I'll get your address and send you some stickers. Um, we've got a link in our Facebook page. I'll also send it and I'll put it in the show notes here. Just send us your info. We'll send you free stickers. Um, and then that's it. Stomp sponsors and coffee talk. Well, let's see. We have some donations here. We have. Cat Parker donated one. Just finished the 48 and found the podcast on the way home. Ethan EC, I believe. Banks Hikes NH donated as well. Props on the audio, this person says. A podcaster by trade. Can you believe it? That'd be nice, huh? Maybe when, yeah. when we grow up, we can do that. Linda B donated uh, several coffees. Jennifer Rooks banged out the Hancocks. Nice job, Jennifer. Ryan Donnelly. Uh, donated as well. Brenda Reed donated, but she says she hates the tick joke. So I was sort of offended. I'm like, damn I it. like Brenda. I'm with you. <laughs> Bobby OC. Bobby OC 23 donated. Thank you, Bobby. Wookie of the Beer. I love that name. Wookie of the Beer uh, donated. Uh, Shandy donated as well. And um, finally, Alex Alexander G. Fuller donated. And. Um, I'm trying to remember what Alexander asked us. Oh, yeah, if we were doing the 115. And I was like, you know, personally, I was like, what's the 115? <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, like the Adirondacks. Oh. I'm, I'm picking my way through Maine and Vermont, but I'm not like, yeah. I'm focused more on just sort of like doing new stuff. Yeah, and Alexander, for me personally, it's it's the 500 when I am motivated, but otherwise I'm like, nah, I'm all set with lists. <laughs> let's see what else do we have here uh oh yeah sponsors let's talk about the sponsors first of all we want to thank ems your northeast go-to for gear guidance education and more since 1967 check them out at ems.com and a huge thank you to reckless at Reckless Brewing, where you'll enjoy the best food, craft, beer, and fun just 15 minutes from Franconia Notch, many 4,000-footers, and less than 10 minutes from the Five Corners. And I, I got to say, thank you, everybody, for heading out to Reckless after your hikes and everything else, because um, Reckless is definitely starting to notice, so it's super cool. Thank you. 
Yeah. I've drank like, I think I drank like five or six Reckless over July 4th. And then I went to the Stone Mountain Art Center. Okay. And um, it's an, this Stone Mountain Art Center, I would definitely like encourage people to check it out. Like they have a ton of awesome like live performances. We saw a band from like Cape Verde. Which okay. was really cool. Um, you know, it's not, not stuff I listen to that frequently, but it was they were really higher energy, and they actually had I had a reckless beer there, so yeah, I thought that was cool. Cool, good yes. stuff. Yeah. All right, so Stomp, welcome to episode sixty six of the Sounds Like a Search and Rescue podcast. So tonight we are joined by um, hiker, runner, Navy veteran, board member of Veterans on the Forty Eight. Entrepreneur and dog rescuer, Yuma, Hyde- is it Hydera? Hydera. Hydera, okay. Yuma Hydera. Uh, so Yuma joins us to talk about a recent dog rescue that she helped spearhead on Mount Musalaki. So we love dog rescues here on the on the Slasher podcast. Um, so we're going to hear all about her role in getting this 120-pound Burmese mountain dog uh, named Dublin down the Gorge Brook Trail. Whoa. And we'll also learn about her hiking background, some of her recent adventures, and we'll highlight uh, her work with veterans on the 48 and uh, talk about some of her other endeavors. So all this and then some discussions about recent hikes and some search and rescue stuff. Um, so big show tonight. I'm Mike. And I'm Stomp. Let's get it started. All right. Lovely, <laughs> lovely. So very quickly, is anybody drinking anything tonight? <laughs> A little variation on the get it started. Just water. <laughs> Water? You just got water, Yuma? Okay, very good. I went to I have yoga like I'm about to pass out. Oh, <laughs> my God. God. Listen, what do they call that? Tantric? Is it tan? No, wait. What's, is there a name for that? The hot version? Bikram? Are you talking about Bikram yoga? Bikram tantric. Sorry. Yeah. I'm thinking about sting. Close. Okay, never mind. <laughs> What are you uh, drinking, Stomp? Anything good? I'm having a Madras. I actually have been on an IPA, double double IPA kick lately, but um, it's the funny story with all these storms rolling through. My wife, I'm like, I send her a text. I'm like, please, can you grab me an IPA for the show? Something unique, something special. They lose power, so she can't purchase anything. The registers are down. So I was like, oh, well. So I just made myself a Madras, which is a, um, a cranberry like vodka type of summer concoction. Very nice. Fruity. That's good. So I'm drinking Smutty Nose. I've got an old brown dog, which is like we're going to be talking about dogs tonight. So I figured that we would <laughs> we would do that. But um, Stomp, normally then we would we would go to recent hikes. So I've done a bunch of stuff. Yeah. I'm going to hold off on my recent hikes, and we'll do those in a separate segment in another show. Okay. But you've already talked about the Hazleton Brook attempt. So why don't you... Talk about Hazleton Brook, and then I've been like I've been on Evans Notch, I've been in East and West Royce, I've been on South Mode, I've been in Burnt Meadow, I've been in Caribou Mountain. I'm going to hold those for another show. But why don't you talk about Hazleton Brook, and then you might want to hear about the Prezi Traverse you just did. Yeah, I'll try to keep this fairly brief. Um, listeners are probably aware that I was trying to to get into Hazleton Brook, which is just west of the whole line of mountains like Fisher Mountain. Um, Hogback, Welch Dickey, Green Foss, all the way up to Tecumseh. So it's this this remote valley that's 3.9 miles long. And apparently there's an abandoned trail in there. So I had, you know, I woke up that morning and I actually parked at the Welch Dickey trailhead thinking, okay, I'm going to find this trail and I'm going to just, you know, walk nice and easy up to Tecumseh. So I had it in my mind. 
nice easy nice easy day um you know i i walked up and over um uh dicky notch which is a really beautiful place and that's sort of the start for cone mountain if anybody's interested and then from there i i walked some old fire roads for about a mile and a half two miles spent about a good almost an hour trying to find the beginning of this trailhead and I can send you the link, uh, Mike, but it's in the abandoned trail site. There's a 1941 um, old topographical map that shows you where this thing started and how it interlaced Hazelton Brook. But damn it, I could not find the thing. Um, you know, I was bushwhacking left and right, you know, 100 yards here, 100 yards there. As I'm starting to, to bushwhack back to the road, the forest road, I hear a family coming in. And it's a family of four with their dog. And um, believe it or not, long story short, they had heard the previous episode that we were talking about Hazleton Brook. And apparently they live on uh, Millbrook Road. So they're, they were proximate. So this has been their sort of like passion. They're trying to find it themselves. I couldn't believe it. So we're just talking and chatting. I joined them and they led me to um, an old logging road that led me into the brook and then from there I sort of just continued on my way um, but you know it, it goes to show you it's like I set myself up for failure because I, I was assuming that I would find a trail and get to Tecumseh real easy and about two miles in it was just pure bushwhack and uh, I burnt out and I was just hemming and hawing like, oh, do I turn back? Do I go up to Green Foss? It was, it was sort of a nightmare. So I bailed out basically. Um, to top it off, I talked to Steve Smith and he said that there is, there are, there are faint remnants of the actual abandoned trail. But what he does is he goes on the left side of what they call the troll bridge, which you'll find when you do your research about this, this uh, forest road in the area and from there he follows it up and in you know but it was it was a mind bender of a day now would it be easier to start at the peak of tecumseh and try to make your way down hell no are you don't I, know? no hell no i you, you I, apparently the old 1941 report says that the old abandoned trail does connect to the tecumseh trail i have no idea I mean, from from the traces that I did see, it was clear that they were roads, and they were almost like carriage roads, and they were at least ten to fifteen feet wide, nice and flat, planed out. But then they would disappear, and it would become gnarly. Um, so I have no idea what would happen when you get to that final ascent up to Tecumseh, because that's at least I would guess it's probably at least. 2,500 feet elevation, real sharp elevation. And then you talk about getting so getting, deep side, yeah. getting into that alpine scrub that you're familiar with at the top of Tecumseh. It's brutal, so I can't even imagine. Um, so that's my story. Um, yeah. You, but yeah, my head was not in the game. Like, I was not up for a gnarly bushwhack. Like, nah. Uh, next time. So are you, are you done with this one, or is this a no-go? It's just too, too no. grown in, or are you going to go back? Oh, I'm definitely going back. Now I'm like absolutely fascinated. Now this is captain level for me. It's such a oh boy. It's such a gnarly area. Uh, it's a beautiful brook. It's not overwhelming. You could actually walk a lot of the brook up when you were getting tired of the the vegetation. Um, obviously, that would be different in different seasons. But right now, it's it's pretty low, so you can rock hop the whole way up. Um, but yeah, I'm fascinated because when you're on 
um, say for instance you're going up Dickey instead of going up Welch over to Dickey if you're going up Dickey you get a look over to Tecumseh and you can see the wall of this massive ravine I mean four miles for this brook it's a it's a monster so I'm very excited I'll keep you posted Good luck. I'll be on trails. I'll be on trails. So Yuma, you you did the presidential traverse this weekend. Can you can you talk about that? Did you? It was overnight or one day or what did you do? Yeah, we did an overnight. Um, we stayed at Lake of the Clouds. Okay. So it was with veterans of the forty eight. We did a women's hike. So just six women just going up in the mountains, enjoying ourselves, pushing ourselves mentally. Awesome. Um, there were some people that have never done it, so it was like new to them. So it was a very good experience. Yep. And the weather was perfect. Oh my god, it was amazing this weekend. Yeah. Yeah. Did you go up Valley Way to start? Yeah, we went up Valley Way, and then um, some people summited each peak. Some people stayed on the ridge. So it just depended on how everyone was feeling at the point. But that's good. Worked out really well. That's awesome. And did you? um, Was it like as I I sort of stay away from like the the presidentials last weekend just because I felt like it was going to be crazy busy up there. But was it was it as crowded as I thought it would be? Well, we initially started on Friday for that reason. Okay. So, like, the first day, it was just, it was, like, dead. And then the way out, it was, like, it was definitely busier, especially, like, Eisenhower and Pierce. Mm-hmm. But on the ridge, it wasn't too crazy. So, still, we still had a lot of peace up there, which was very nice. Okay. So, then the first day, you start at, like, Appalachia, go up Valley Way, and then make your way to Lake of the Clouds. So, that's the long day, then? Yep. Yeah. And I've never, uh, I've never actually stayed at an AMC hut. So, you've got to reserve a spot, right? <laughs> Oh my gosh, you have to. Oh, yeah. I like swear by this experience. It's so amazing. Really? And I it's don't know nice the logistics. Time. Like I've all I've ever done with the huts is like go there like I'll go and eat and like get my water and use the bathroom and you know, you sort of experience it, but like I've never been around like the whole I think the crew experience. Like I've seen them like cleaning up or like and I've been to the Randolph Mountain huts where it's sort of self service, but with the AMC, like they do they make dinner, right? Dinner and breakfast. Okay. So how does that all work? It's, well, you have to get there before 6. Dinner is served at 6. Um, if you are running late, you can call in and they'll save you a plate. But it's literally like a five-course meal. You get there and they like do a whole introduction. It's usually like kind of funny. And they just keep you really entertained. And you start off with like soup, salad, then you get your main course, and then you get a dessert. And it's all like the food is amazing. Right. For it being on top of a mountain, I don't know why it's Did- so good. Did they wake you up in a special way? Because I have a story about that. Yeah, with the song. Well, yeah. What did they do yeah. for you? Um, well, I've stayed in a hut multiple times. This last time they sang, it was like a, a pop song, like when I heard on the radio, because we're all kind of singing along. I was up before they did the wake yeah. up, so I was already in there drinking coffee, but been... they were just singing, and it was so peaceful. Oh, it's so cool. <laughs> and then they were just like, time to get up, you guys, like breakfast in 30 minutes, and just a cool experience. I was at um, I was at Lake of the Clouds Hut with my my daughters. My I, th- I believe it was three of my daughters at the time, and they were just little. And um, it was a really rainy, heavy rainy night. But I remember being woken to the sound of an Irish jig on a violin. How cool is that? Just to like just come out That's of your cool. sleep on the top of a mountain, listening to a violin jigging away. It was wicked cool. They 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 do a nice job. And then when when you get there, like, so you got to get there by six, um, you get there. Do they, like, assign you 
which room you're going to be in. Like, I feel like Lake of the Clouds is not that big. Like, I've been in there. It doesn't seem like it's that big, but maybe I'm, maybe I'm wrong. Oh, it's the biggest one. I think they can house, like, over 120 people or something. Oh, really? I could get that number. Yeah, yeah that big. number might be way wrong. But I know they can house a lot of people. But they did put us in a room because we had a group of six, and they had a room specifically that could hold six. Okay. So just, like, kept our group together. But if we were doing it individually, we would just have to find a bunk. Got it. And then, so you don't have to, so the bonus of like being in the hut is like, you don't have to carry like your food. You just basically have to bring like, what, a sleeping bag and a pillow. And then that's basically it other than like the stuff you would carry for a day hike, right? Yeah. Like just lunches for two days and like enough electrolyte snacks, things like that. But before COVID, they used to have like blankets and pillows. But now, like since COVID, you have to do your own sleeping bag and blankets. Got it. Got it. And then um, as far as the uh, the overflow did you notice like i'm always curious about this and i never knew like what do they do with through hikers that happen to come by like what is the deal with that i i I don't know how they handle that so they let them sleep right there in the common area like when you walk in they'll like just let them set up their own like mats and just sleep right there okay could you like if you felt if you if you felt pity on someone could you be like you can sneak into our room and and crash on the floor or whatever i mean (laughs) You don't want some. I guess so. You don't want some smelly through hiker in your room. Then. I well, that's the thing. But then, like the floor is the same in my room or in the open area. So, like, what's the difference? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that's interesting. So they they basically will take the through hikers, but they they sleep in the common area, and they probably have their limits. Like eventually, like you're going into the dungeon if the, if they get too crowded. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> I I did meet a through hiker because it's kind of early for them right now, mm-hmm. um, and I did meet a couple of them, and they were doing. That were helping with like breakfast the next day and like cleaning up and then to, like that was their pay you know to stay so if programs like that yeah right yeah they help with dishes and things like that and then the six people you were with was anybody a newbie or were they all pretty experienced one was a newbie she'd never hiked a four thousand footer but she's from new hampshire just never ever been in the white mountains never hiked but she's a veteran like she's rough she's done she's physically active you know she has the mindset to get through it and I'm like so proud of her because you could just tell she was like, "What the f did I sign up for?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. You think you can <laughs> just going up Madison? You know, oh, it's That's amazing. Like intimidating. It's amazing. Yeah, like that view of Madison when you're down in that call where the hut is, and like you look back and you're just like that perfect pyramid. It's just, it's it's just gets you hooked. Yeah, and then the further along you get down the traverse, and you just look back, and it's like you hiked all that. Like just look back and see what you just. You know, yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. It's a huge confidence builder. I can't wait to uh, to take my daughter up there because she just hasn't been on the northern prezies yet, so it's it's going to be exciting. So, but it must be like, you do you still get jazzed about like when new people are up there and you're like, can you believe this? Isn't this amazing? I, I it's probably so annoying because you know when you're like in a mindset of like this hurts and everything hurts and this sucks, and I'm over here just yeah. like, look at how beautiful it is. Like just this positive thing, and she was probably just like, shut up. Like yeah. <laughs> I don't want to hear it right now. <laughs> Exactly, exactly. That's awesome. It's time for Slasher's Guest of the Week. Very cool, very cool. Um, just to give the audience a little bit of background, so there was a, we did like an episode 11, we did like a deep dive on like Odin, this dog that got in trouble like right below Lake of the Clouds, like this was like a year ago or so, and the, the, the couple of people that were involved in the rescue were nice enough to join us, and then 
Dublin, who's the name of the dog that got in trouble um, a week or two ago, a couple of weeks ago, you know, we covered it a little bit, I think, on the last episode. Um, and then Ian, who was our friend that had joined us previously on a show, he had reached out and said that he knew Yuma. And I saw that Yuma had posted the the request for help. So I reached out to see if she would join us to to talk about um, not only the dog rescue, but like you, you have a really interesting background around your affiliation for veterans. And then you've got some stuff going on where you're an entrepreneur and you've got a blog where I was reading about it and I was just exhausted just thinking about like this, this lady never sleeps. So I thought it would be really cool to sort of talk to you about the <laughs> Dublin rescue and then talk a little bit more about just sort of your background. So with that as a sort of an intro, do you want to just sort of give some background on yourself, talk about sort of your early life? exposure to outdoor activities and a little bit about your connection to the military? Uh, sure. So early life, I grew up all in the Northeast. I was born in Virginia, lived in New York City, upstate New York, and then graduated high school here in New Hampshire. And I actually joined the military outside of here. But I never really experienced outdoors. I was very into sports. And that really took up my life. Like very, basketball was my sport. I literally played it all year round. So I was doing an indoor sport majority of the time. And I couldn't risk you know, like learning how to ski or go hiking because injuries, you know. And then I joined the military because I just did not want to be in debt. Basically going to school, like I didn't want to like be in a lot of debt, even though I had like basketball opportunities, but it just wasn't covering, you know, all the bills. So I joined the military and then I was stationed in Gulfport, Mississippi, which is a culture shock if you have ever been in the dirty south coming from the northeast. Yep. Oh, yeah, <laughs> uh, sure have. Yeah, it's interesting, but I don't know, that kind of shaped me into who I am. Like right away, we went on deployment. I was a CD in the Navy, so we do construction, and I just like made lifelong friends to this day, you know, just the bond you can't break, and after leaving there, it there's like kind of a, this empty space, you're just kind of fitting in with civilians, you don't really have your place, so uh, finding veterans on the 48 was like a really good just being one of the veterans and being able to have that bond still. Awesome. And was it was it the connection with veterans on the forty eight that got you into hiking, or how did you transition into the running and the hiking? Um, so I'm a commercial truck driver. So after mm-hmm. I finished nursing school, I just told myself I needed a break. Like the military was a lot, nursing school was a lot, and I was like, I'm just gonna drive cross country for a year in a truck, get paid to do it, and then figure out what I want to do from here. And it turned out I loved it, and I just kept doing it. But the problem with being a trucker is everywhere you stop, it's fast food. It's hard to get, like, healthy stuff. And I just started packing on the pounds. So that's how I actually started getting into running because that was the one guarantee I had every day, a road at the end of the day. I just went and bought running sneakers. And even if I couldn't shower, I would baby wipe it, <laughs> you know, just make it happen. Yeah. Yeah, and when you're so when you're doing sort of the long haul trucking and you're running, are you just running like out of rest, out of like truck yeah, stops? Truck stops. If I'm at a vendor and they take, they give me an estimated like two hours, like plenty of time to go down the street and back, you know. Or I would just make time when I had time if I had the energy to do it. But. Okay, and when did you do your first sort of hiking in New Hampshire? Probably five years ago, I went up Monadnock just one day. I was just like, I'm going to go for a hike and just went up Monadnock. <laughs> I was not prepared. I was one of those people that I would be like, don't do that. Do you know what I mean? Like, had sneakers on, like no grip, 
you know? And then I remember just getting to Medanaka and being like, I'm rock climbing right now. Like, I don't, I didn't know this was part of it. <laughs> I was so unprepared. Do you own a truck? Uh, no, I've always been a company driver. I just have never wanted okay. to invest about it. I was just curious. I, because I could envision like one of these giant trucks parking up in the Manadnock Trail. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! By that point, part of me. I like since time I to grew hike. up here. Like every time I'd come in New England, I'd rent a car for the weekend to like see all my friends, and then eventually I was like, just buy like an old Toyota, so you don't have to keep renting cars. And that's literally what I did, and that would just bring me to all my hikes. So. Yeah, interesting. And then over time, um, you, you you make some connections in the hiking community and, and got more comfortable. And like, have you done like the 4,000 footers? And like, are you a list person or can you talk about it's that? It's so funny because I started and I was just like hiking. Like, I don't even know if I could tell you. I don't even know if I knew there were lists at the time. But one of my friends that I was mm-hmm. already friends with, she's big into hiking. And somehow we never like talked about it. And I like posted on Instagram one day and she's like, oh, why aren't we hiking together? And she was more familiar. So we started with like the 52 and a view. Because in my head, it was like, why am I hiking if I'm not getting a view? I was like anti the 4,000 yep. footers for a while. Because <laughs> I was like, I want to be able to enjoy nature and get a view. Like, I don't want to do a lot of work and not get nothing out of it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And then I finally did my first 4,000 footer for the Flags event, I think four or five years ago. Yeah, it was Wiley, mm-hmm. Willie, however you want to say it. Yeah, not an easy one. And then I, that like solidified me like being like, no more 4,000 footers. <laughs> and then here I am. I have done 31, <laughs> but I've done a lot of repeats okay. because of the group. So we usually end up doing a lot of the same ones. Huh. Got it. So you're more about like if you have friends that want to do something cool, like you, you're not chasing the like I was just like I'm, I'm I got to get my next list, I got to check off my my spreadsheet, blah blah blah. So, but you're just sort of more chill about it. Like you just want to have fun with your friends, and, and you'll get there. Yeah. when you get there. And I, you know, when it's meant to happen, it'll happen. And I feel like a lot of people, I can't be like, hey, let's go on a hike and bring them somewhere difficult. So, like, hey, let's go to Tecumseh Pierce, which I've done so many times, but I'll keep doing it. Because they want them to enjoy it and get like a good feel, you know? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then what would you say is your favorite mountain? I love, I go back and forth all the time because I love the Franconia Ridge. Like, love it. But I also love mm-hmm. the Bonds. Just as, like, I love both of those. So, if I really had to pick, Lafayette. Okay. Yeah, I mean it's a guy. It, it gets crowded or whatever, but On a like quiet that, you day. just never. Yeah, it just never. Uh, it never uh, feels too impressed for sure. So that's good. And then you're also a runner, so you've done how many marathons have you done? Um, four and one ultra. Okay, and then you're, are you training for Chicago right now? Yeah, Chicago Marine Corps this fall. Oh, so you're doing the, both of those. Um, how do you, what do you typically do for training? Do you have like weekly mileage goals that you focus on or are you just sort of like you've done enough marathons where you just sort of weave it into your weekly runs? Oh, no. I definitely have a run coach right now uh, because I want to be able to incorporate hiking. But like I said, I'm coming off some injuries. So I want to like really focusing on strength and just like making sure I have an injury-free cycle, but also be able to hike and do everything I love. So she's finding a really good balance that. I would never be able to find. Like, if you asked me to go for a hike tomorrow, I'd be like, yeah. And I wouldn't be like, no, I shouldn't do that because I'm still recovering from what I did this weekend and running this week. So, hmm. nice. Yeah. Nice structure. Yeah, that's 
Yeah, that's perfect. I know my, like, I have one friend that's a big marathoner and, like, he likes to hike. And I'm like, let's go hiking. And he's like, no, I got to do my long run on Saturday. And I'm like, all right, well, see you later. I'm going hiking. So it's so tough to say no because, you know, you just want to do it all. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) All right. And then um, you've got some side gigs, it looks like you've got going on here. So you've got a partnership with UFOs, you're involved with. Skirt Sports, and then you've got a, a store called The Yummy Life. So do you, and we'll plug these again at the end, but like, can you talk a little bit about these partnerships and side gigs? Sure. Starting with Ufos. Um, they are just an active recovery footwear, and it's really big in the running community. And I, I'm trying to tell everybody in the hiking community they need these after their hike, just put them on. They're the best thing in the world. Um, <laughs> it literally helps your muscles recover, and then you, your feet feel like they're on clouds. Like it's, in the best way you can here. Hmm. Not to like, <laughs> I get nothing for this, I swear. <laughs> but I was, I got them after actually doing Reach the Beach. Um, I was like okay. against getting them for a while. So I was like, I don't need these expensive flip flops. And then I tried them on after Reach the Beach and I was like, I do need these actually. <laughs> and then during the New York City Marathon, I was injured in Chicago. So I did Chicago last fall too. And I did New York City three weeks later and I ended up wearing. The, these slides for like 20 something miles of the marathon um, and that's how they found me because of the story that I told wearing that ethos and the reason why I was running that race and that whole story I don't know if you want whole story but awesome yeah and so UFOs are so they're basically like um recovery um, flip flops is that what you're saying they have flip flops they have shoes it's just like they're foam or whatever they just incorporate it into like any kind of footwear you need okay well i'm gonna have to check some out for my wife i think i'll have to get her another present mm-hmm. which would be good <laughs> and then what present? is um what is a yummy yeah another present so um <laughs> well when i screw up i have to like you oh. know or either that or if i want to go out with the boys or i want to go hiking like i'll just so, i'll pick her something up so, and be like oh by the way i'm going hiking this weekend okay what are you getting your daughter for the laundry debacle I don't know. <laughs> nothing. Nothing. I'll pay for her gas. Um, and then what is what is um a yummy life store? What is that, Yuma? Um, I hand make organic skincare products. Um, okay. so anything from like body butter, like cancer shape, bug spray. Wow. That's super cool. Cream. How do you have time to do this? I listen. Just pray for me. Okay. <laughs> well. Honestly, it's I did it. I do it for myself. I've always made my own products. I have like the very, very sensitive skin. And then like my friends would like, Oh, my son has this sensitive problem. Can you just make a jar for me? And Oh, I have this. Can you make a jar for me? And I just like started this thing. Like everyone wanted some products. So then I was just like, I'll just make a bunch of products. So when they're gone, they're gone. And then it just kind of like blew up. And since then it's wow. grown. Yeah. More than I you know. I know a podcast that uh, might help you out with some advertising. <laughs> oh, what's that podcast? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> well, we'll, give you some, we'll definitely give some plugs and we'll put uh, that's awesome. We'll put some stuff on. But Stomp needs like beard grease or whatever. <laughs> beard, beard grease. Beard grease. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, beard grease and oh, like bald head wax. That's what I need. Well, yes. the face cream would do great for that. Really? Oh, face cream would yeah. make me look like, like another, I'm 20. That's another present for my wife. <laughs> See? Look at this. 
<laughs> That's awesome. All right. Well, uh, you know, I want to find out. So we'll put we'll we'll um we'll definitely plug all those uh, those connections there. But cool. I did want to talk a little bit about this. Um, so Dublin is the name of the dog. So you on Sunday, June twenty sixth, you put out a call for help on one of the four thousand footer Facebook pages, and um, I was busy. Like I think I was like setting up for my daughter's graduation party or whatever, and I was like, oh boy, I got to pay attention to this. This is interesting. So the dog, I think big, big dog, Burmese mountain dog, 120 pounds. You had some connection to the, the owner. Um, and I kind of watched this just going through social media and like, it was like really sort of awesome to see everybody kind of come together to rescue the dog. So can you just take us from the beginning and talk about like, how did you, how did you get chosen to be the one that was like, Yuma, we need you to save our dog. Like what, what happened? Oh gosh. So I was actually with her twin sister in Vermont in Stowe. Her sister just ran, well, uh, 25K, uh, the catamount mm -hmm. 5K, and she was injured. So she was literally walking around with my hiking pole for the rest of the day after the race and then Sunday morning. And we get contacted by our sister who just, who decided to do the sunrise hike with Dublin. Yep. Um, like, hey, Dublin, stop walking. Uh, I don't know what to do. She's like, you can tell she's getting overwhelmed, you know, on the phone. And, like, I'm just, like, a problem solver, I think, because instantly, like, her sister's like, I don't know what to do because she can't even walk, right? And then I'm like, okay, well, how about we just drive to the trailhead? Look, I didn't even know. I was like, let's just get to the trailhead, and even if they make it down, at least we're on our way, like, you know? Because mm -hmm. uh, yeah. we really thought, like, maybe if he just laid there, ate some, drank some water, he would get up and get moving again. Mm -hmm. um, that did not happen, clearly. So I also reached out to the Facebook group um, and just, you know, saw put the info as much info as I thought was deemed necessary. I'm just like, Hey, I need help. Cause I was the only one going up the trailhead. So to me, it was like, I didn't even have my hiking pack. I only had like my running bladder, like a Nathan. And I was mm -hmm. like, I could probably carry the dog. Like I have, you know, I could probably carry him a little bit, but then I'm going to keep putting him down. So in my head, I was like, at least me and Sam could do something, but it would be nice yep. if we had more people. So when I put yeah. it uh, on Facebook, that group, you have to wait for it to get approved. So, mm -hmm. I kept checking it for a while, but I was also the one driving from Vermont. There's a lot of back roads, a lot of in and out service. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden I opened the Facebook and there's like a bunch of comments, like we need you to answer us. We're trying to help. And I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm driving. So I give the phone to her sister next to me and she's just trying to answer all the important questions as we go when we have service. And it ended up working out really well. Like a guy, Joe had just done the presidential twice. Um, and for Alzheimer's and he just happened to be like driving right by, um, exit 32 and he stopped in and he was like the first one there within probably 20 minutes. It was amazing. And then he also had connections to, I, I'm going to say it wrong, but they're like, they rescue dogs. They're like volunteers. I can't remember the name of the group. Is it the uh, For Your Paws? Yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah, right. yeah. That's a store in North Conway. So we talked about that. Is that So For Your Paws, they, I think, were involved in a rescue of a St. Bernard on Mount Washington off of Bootspur a couple years ago. And I think that that incident spurred... And we, we, me and Stomp were talking about this. We want to get them on at some point. But I think that that incident sort of spurred them having some loose organization around like they're the ones that will come and rescue a dog if a dog's in trouble. Yeah. So 
Right. But did you know with like the Facebook group, like did you have any, did you know about the dog, like the dog rescue of Odin last year? And did you know about like the fact that like search and rescue won't come for the dog and that the option, the best option is to get it out on social media to see if you can pull together a crew? The only reason I know that is because Jess, her twin that was with me is on Pemisar. So she was like, okay. we don't rescue dogs. She, she already knew that. So me putting it on Facebook was like our best bet because I had right. no other option. I was like, I know there's thousands of people on this group. And there's just got to be someone, either they're on this lock right now or nearby, that can, like, help us out. Yeah. What was really shocking, though, was, like, so we get there, um, and I had nothing besides, like, my hands. Because <laughs> everything is in my other car, and I was just not prepared yeah. to be rescuing a dog. Uh, Joe also didn't have much. And this guy, Michael, showed up with, like, a tarp and um, paracord. So we tried to, like, flip something together and carry him down, which was working. It was just tough you know slow going yeah very slow and then a lady showed up i believe her name's heather from like two hours away with a pack-a-paw mm-hmm. which was yeah changed that's the, the go-to game. yeah yeah it's the go-to for sure and it was just like the amount of people it was the amount of people that came up and it was like we we're walking down like oh we're here for the dog like we're here for you because we just thought they were going to try and hike by, you know? And they're like, no, no, we saw this and we're here. Because there's a point where my phone didn't have service anymore. Like, I'm not yeah. communicating with anybody at this point. So it's just insane mm-hmm. the number of people that came. And then the, also the number of people That's that good. did the hike and turned around and came back just to make sure she was okay. Yeah, because that's true because, like, it actually, from a timing perspective, like, on a Sunday, Musalaki, like, you're going to have a crowd, which will be good. And that's a pretty well-traveled path, so you, you would have some people that would help out. But So it sounds like then Mike had the, the tarp, and then did he have the things to cover the dog's paws as well, or was that nope, somebody else? No, that was also Heather. Heather had that. So she yeah. came with the sort of the dog-specific gear. He put together some of the, the tarp. And then how many people do you think total showed up? 15 to 20. There were some people that were there at first, and then they left. Because it did take us, probably took me four hours, like, getting up the trail and getting him down. So it did take a bit, you know. We were moving very, very slow. Wow. And then was the dog, um, because I remember reading it, and there was, like, at some point, like, and some of these, like, the way that these things develop is kind of interesting. But there was, like, a lot of people that, like, you need the harness, you need like something for the paws or whatever, and then somebody was like, "You probably want to try to get a um, a muzzle just in case the dog gets freaked out or whatever." But like that, I saw the picture. Stuff. If you haven't seen the pictures of the dog, like this dog is like uh, in its glory with all the attention it was getting. Like that's the way I read it. I don't know if that's true or not, but like that's this dog awesome. seemed like it was like eating up the attention. Like, but I don't know. You you were there. You tell me. I feel like he was just so exhausted <laughs> that he couldn't have cared less. Like there was a point while we were waiting for Mike to come up that he like was almost rolling down the side. Like he had no care in the world. Like we had to like yeah. push him back up. Like, no, nope, we can't go there because you will end up down a hill. But he, uh, he was definitely more exhausted than anything. I think he just. Yeah, yeah, that's too bad. And it's like we, I've gotten better over the years. Like I used to be really judgmental about like everything, but like you know, the more you sort of talk about the search and rescue things and stuff like that, like you just see there's so many cases where like 
things just happen and you can't really control it and you just sort of use it as a learning lesson but it sounds like to me like you guys did given the circumstances like you you got people on it right away and sometimes like it's whether it's human or dogs like you just go past the line where either you get exhausted or you get an injury or something just happens and you know at the end of the day like you can you can go back and figure out like okay i could have done x y and z differently but like at some point you just have to realize like all right we have to pull together build a team and 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 save this person or this dog so it sounds like you guys just you know it was one of those cases where it just like shit happens and like you just got to pull together and fix the you know fix the problem yeah and it's so unpredictable like she hikes with him often you know and yeah lock is such a nice trail for dogs it's you know so i mean yeah. she did sunrise she was avoiding the heat she did like all the things right you know and for that to still happen obviously is frustrating for her and then not you know no one wants to be in that position because there's always going to be judgmental people especially yeah. you never know what you're going to get out of that group you know I, um, i've never posted before that's actually my first post because of that reason so it's just yeah. like oh it's tough just to tie into this um eastern mountain sports today posted um, a new Go East article by Tim and Doug, and they review the 10 essential items that you should have in your pack as a, uh, like a first aid kit for your dog. So that's definitely something you want to check out there on Instagram. You can find us, you know, on our story and wherever else. Yeah. Yeah. And I think too, like listeners, like I just, this stuff seems to be popping up like once a year, once every two years. And I think a lot of dog owners are getting the message to like have a, have a pack a paw with them, but like not everybody has it. Not everyone's aware for whatever reason, but I do think that like, you know, like I've ordered one already and like, I'm just going to keep it in my car and you never know. Like if I'm up in the area, like somebody, like I don't have a dog. Mrs. Mike won't let me have a dog. I want to have a dog, but I, she won't let me have a dog. But you know, just to have it in my car in case something goes down, like, you know, I don't think it's going to hurt. So I definitely encourage anybody, even if you don't have a dog, like get one of those um, pack-a-paw harnesses just so you have it. Um, but Yuma, so when you got there, like, was it hard to get that harness on the dog? Not really. We just rolled him on one side and put his legs through the holes and rolled him on the other side. He was just let to do whatever, dog, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we just like uh, hooked more strings to it to help like lift him up. So that we could have more leverage with it, but it worked very, very well. Wow! And then I think that those, in theory, those harnesses are designed so that you can actually strap the dog to your back. But I think unless you're like Hulk Hogan or The Rock, like no one's going to carry a 120 pound dead weight dog off their back like that. So you guys had to like basically put like a six person team on it and rotate, right? Yeah. I don't think I've ever worked out my forearms so much in my life. <laughs> it's just something I'm not used to. Like, I just didn't know. I just gripping that, you know, and just holding it just like steadily the whole time. Like two days later, they were on fire. And I was like, that's why. That's, yeah. That's exactly why. Super cool. And, um, and then with communication, so you were – you were doing your best, you and your friend were doing your best to sort of communicate on the Facebook group. Did somebody take over? I remember like with, with the Odin situation with the dog last year, like one person sort of took over as like communicating with people that were coming up the trail and then updating people on what was going on. Did somebody take over that responsibility or did you guys just say, screw it, like we're here and we got we to just help the dog and don't worry about communication? Well, I guess the big communication was Jack, Jess, the, uh, the sister was at the bottom. So she was like, 
hey, we're like, but it was still hard. We had no service. So she was just saying like, hey, they're still up there. Like letting people know like, hey, if you're here for the dog, they're still up there. They do need your help. Got it. Yeah. And then like, how long did it take for you guys to just sort of form the team and get rolling? Was it, it, it sounds like when you had the tarp, you started moving the dog a little bit, but when the harness got there, that's when it really changed the game for you. Yeah, it probably took maybe 30 minutes. I feel like it didn't take that long. Okay. Um, (laughs) And then when you got the dog to the car, like I saw a picture of the dog just chilling in the back of the car and the dog looked like so chill. He was like, I'm so happy. Um, But was it, did the dog get distressed at all during this or was it just going along for the ride? It was mainly going along for the ride. At first, we just wanted to kind of like get the weight off of his feet because we tried putting him in the whole tarp mm. and he wasn't comfortable being like in it. So then we like let his feet go and he just like kind of walking on it a little bit. But then towards the end, like he was not. He was just like dragging his legs. But we just like picked him up. Wow. And how's he doing now? He's good. Um, he's not jumping or anything, but he's like getting upstairs and walking around. He's doing way better than he was. Nice. Well, <laughs> you're, you're a full hero, Yuma. I don't know about that. Yeah. I feel like the, situ- the situation and need to get solved, and that's it. So we have CB, truck driver, uh, organic product creator, uh, dog rescuer. I mean, this is pretty, this is pretty epic. We have quite the <laughs> person funny. here. Sure. Carpe diem. Sure. Who's actually on site? She's like, "How did you get to do a rescue before I did?" Oh my god, I don't know. <laughs> I didn't sign up for this. I swear, it was never on my bucket list. <laughs> That's so funny. That's so funny. Like when I, so when COVID came up, like I started watching a lot of TikTok. I've talked about this before, and like there's always this joke around like when a dog needs like a rescue. There, the like the, it's always like there'll be a woman that will go into like the most dangerous area of wherever to save the dog and it'll be like this vicious dog and they'll put a sweater on that dog and like be feeding it organic dog food no problem. So it was like I knew like anytime you see like a dog rescue going on those 4,000 foot like there's going to be an army of people that will will go and, and rescue it. But that's that's awesome that like and Heather Marie I think was the person on Facebook like she wrote like this really awesome like summary of like what everybody did and like all the shout outs and stuff. And she posted some amazing pictures of the dog. And it's like, the dog just looked like, you know, I mean, obviously the dog was in some pain with its, with its paws or whatever, but the dog looked like it was so happy to have so much attention. Oh yeah. He was in a good place. I think he finally knew he's like, Oh, all these people are here to help me. Yeah. Excellent. Exactly. So, um, so anything else to add about Dublin? He's the sweetest boy. (laughs) Like just on a regular day. So I think, I don't know. I hope he can get back hiking, maybe starting on smaller stuff, you know, go to maybe jump back up. Yeah, yeah. He needs to start doing more 52 with the views. Forget these 4,000 footers. I know. What a bummer, though. (laughs) Too much work. Too much work. So. Awesome. So then also the other thing I wanted to talk to you about, Yuma, was you're involved. Are you on the board of the veterans on the 48? I am. Yeah. So can you talk a little bit about that? What is that organization and um, what what's involved with as far as fundraising and events that, that, that the veterans on the 48 do? All right. So veterans on the 48 was actually started through Instagram. The mm-hmm. founder just started posting veterans that hike on the 48. 
So he would like find us on Instagram. Very good day to like detective skills. I still have no idea how he thought all of us. And just be like, nice. hey, are you a veteran? And then we'd be like, oh, I saw you like hike so-and-so 4,000 footer. Can I feature you? And it just started off as like a, let me feature veterans. Um, but it really became about like mental health and getting veterans outside and like finding that bond within each other and friendships. And uh, it's been so beneficial to like every single one of us. And I think just the joy that it brings us and like the peace and healing it brings us. We just want to be able to share it and give it to all the veterans. Like you, you don't have to be in this area. Like please come travel from anywhere and like experience what it is to be here in the light mountains, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Now are you, um, what is your feeling about sort of mental health with veterans at this point? Like I know, I mean, I've got some friends like our, our friend Casey's involved with like, I think the program, I think it's called Rivers to Recovery. They do fly fishing with veterans. But um, what is your view on like, um, I guess, mental health services and programs for veterans at this point? Are things getting better or do they still need a lot of work? Or can you talk a little bit about that? Yes. I think there's a lot of nonprofits out there doing great things. My problem with veterans and mental health is the actual care that you need on a medical level is just not, it's just not there. And it's so tough. You know, you, you can go through the VA and you might have to wait months to see someone. And by the time you're asking for help, you're at a point of like, it's detrimental if you need help now. And it's so hard to find help now. Um, there's just too many of us dealing with it and there's just not enough help. And that's like, I don't know what else to say. It's just very frustrating. I can go on rants, but. Yeah. Yeah. So it sounds like, like you're in, a, again, I'm not a veteran, but like just sort of my observation, because I do have some friends that are involved is like, and it sounds like you're sort of validating this is like the smaller voluntary programs, like in the opportunities are plentiful for veterans but like at a certain point, if you need real professional health help with your mental health, once you hit that bureaucracy and you have to rely on sort of government services and, and real true medical professionals, that's when you can get you just slip through the cracks sometimes. And, you know, I don't know how they solve that, but I do think that like keep going with these sort of smaller programs to let, you know, to, to keep the channel of communication going, I would think. Exactly. And it's like, you don't realize how many people are dealing with the same thing you're dealing with, you know? And then when you're in groups like that, it almost like, it's like a light. Like you see someone who's going through exactly what you went through, but they're on the other side or they're still on their journey, but they're further ahead than you. So it's just nice to be around people that are dealing with exactly what you're dealing with, you know, almost at the same time and just able to like help guide each other and support each other. Got it. And then Veterans on the 48, is this like a, is it like a one weekend event that you guys do? Or is it just something that like anybody that wants to hike can connect with people that are involved in Veterans on the 48 and you'll, you'll get a crew together? So that's basically it. We're uh, a nonprofit and we try and do as many events as possible. Um, at first, we just started off with a, a lot of co-ed hikes. And then we, I believe our first hike was a flags event, actually. And we did North Twin. And ever since then, we've just been organizing group hikes and then we noticed that women weren't coming i was like the only woman for a long time that was going and then yeah there's an intimidation hiking with guys they're faster you know like do i want to be there like what kind <laughs> yeah. of veterans are they like we were all the time you know like are these actual like cool yeah, chill yeah, yeah, people so you just don't know and then um so we started doing the woman veterans hikes and then all these women popped out of nowhere and we're like oh you've been following the page but 
you weren't, you know, you weren't, you didn't feel safe to join yet. So it's nice to just like get people yeah, yeah, out and, you know, get them comfortable. So then they do join the co-ed hike. So now we do flags every September as like a big group. And we try and organize multiple group hikes. This season is the first season we've been doing a lot of pet stays. So we've already have like three more coming up this summer. So it's exciting. We have a lot of fun things happening. Mm. Nice. And what, what peak you taking over for flags? Um, I don't know Sorry. if I can say it here because I don't want someone else to try and snatch it from us. Uh, <laughs> you don't want to grab it. All right. So well, you let us know. One, once you get it locked in, let us yeah. know. Yeah. Um, I think I was on Jefferson. like, But yeah, that's a good point. Like, yeah. Keep it secret. I got you. And then I don't want you'll be, like, you'll be, you'll end up on to be like, head. Yeah. oh my God, could you imagine? <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> and we do have a lot of like first get kicked out. stuff. Oh my gosh, we would get kicked out. Oh my gosh. I have a funny out. story. Actually, it's like I started posting um, veterans on the 48 on Instagram here some time ago. And um, we were actually on a mission maybe a month or two ago up at Madison Hut. No, not Madison. I'm sorry. Greenleaf Hut. And I saw your crew in there. And who's the fellow with, he looks like me, but he's got a goatee. He's, he's follically challenged like Mike and myself. Yeah, he's, he's an also older a board member. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's correct. Well, yeah. tell him, be sure to tell him that I saw him and I saw your whole crew and I'm like, damn it, I wish I had a moment to like, just go say hi, but it just wasn't appropriate. But uh, I saw all you guys up there and it was a really cool moment. Just seeing the whole crew up at uh, Greenleaf Hut enjoying themselves and uh if you mention it i'm sure he'll remember because uh we were in action mode just trying to help somebody out so um uh, but yeah he's the guy i always see he looks like me oh. but with a goatee <laughs> oh yeah he's incredible he's like the best too have a conversation next time you see him he's hilarious absolutely yeah i'd love to have the crew on again to talk a little more and yeah, absolutely. Anytime. Well, when you, so you, once you, you once you, once you have your peak lockdown for flags on the 48, like let us know and then we'll have you guys in for another, another follow up. Yeah. That sounds Ooh, good. That'd be amazing. I want to see this guy that looks like stomp. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I can handle that much handsomeness in one, one podcast. <laughs> <That's hilarious. laughs> Oh, look at the uh, the veterans on the forty eight Mount Watanabe B eighteen picture. He's got a green, yeah, like you know, you know, yeah, that's him. The green shirt on the B eighteen. I love that you know exactly. That's exactly Greg. He's the best. <laughs> okay, so that's what's his name, Greg. Greg Greg York. Okay, he, well, he's like the the visual for me personally. He's like the visual. Like I always see him in these pictures. I'm like oh, he's he must be like the main dude that's running this thing. So that's funny. He's actually cool. the father of the dude that's running it. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, excellent. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Well, hats that's off. Amazing. We're also really big awesome. on like making sure we can equip like veterans with stuff. So like yeah. with a lot of our fundraising we're making sure we get them packs and hiking boots and get them set up to be outdoors so it's like more than just going on group hikes but like setting them up to be able to like go outside on their own as well okay okay yeah that's that's a good point point. and do you find like is there a, do you attract a lot of veterans that are not like local to new hampshire or is it mostly local local veterans local like maine new hampshire mass is where a majority okay. are from there's a few in connecticut but 
very localized. Yeah. Well, you know, it's so funny too. Like, I wonder if you deal with this. Like, one of my best friends is a former Army Ranger, and he like they're um they're up in like a Lake Ossipee, and he's got like a place up there. And I'm like, dude, we gotta go hiking. Like, we'll go to Chikora or whatever. And he's like, oh man, I rucked for like. Four years in the military. He's like, I'm never going in the woods again. And I'm like, oh, come on. You go. But I bet you probably do deal with that sometimes. Like you got some veterans that are like, I'm not interested. You almost have to change the mentality. Like if they've never done it, then they just don't know what they're missing. You know, because wrecking is horrible. Yeah. Like (laughs) I can attest to it. I hate every second of it. But (laughs) hiking is so different. It's like you, you're like breathing out all this, like everything you're thinking about all the time. You know, you're hiking and you're sweating and you're breathing heavy and then you get to the top and it's just like i worked for this you know there's just like a sense of relief yeah. i think just being in nature and being around it i don't know i just i recommend it to every veteran yeah yeah no it's great and then uh so we'll include some of the links on like where you can donate to veterans on the 48 and we'll include the the links on how you can check it out if you're a veteran and you want to um you want to get involved and you will put your Instagram info and all that stuff on here too. They can reach out to you, but um, you know, there's plenty of ways to get involved and it's, it's a great, um, great event. And then we'll also, I'll stay, I'll stay in touch and make sure that I find out when, when you guys have your, your peak landed. Sounds good. Awesome. Thank you. Um, so that's, that's, uh, I think I ran through the script here. You may, anything else that we missed here that you want to talk about? I think you hit the mark. Yeah, we got everything. You're, I'm exhausted just thinking about all the stuff you got. You're mixed up in here. <laughs> Can never do too much, right? Seriously, yeah. All right, so then we're going to move on to, and you can hang out, Yuma, and sort of give color commentary on this. So we're gonna we're gonna move on to our final segment here, which is recent search and rescue news. Um, I wanted to cover two national um, stories here. So the first one is a YouTube video that um, Stomp, you may need to like color commentate this one because I didn't look at it. But there's a Boy Scout troop that jumped into action after a passenger train. They were on derailed. So um, Reckless Steve sent this over to us. So I know that this train derailed. It hit like a truck. Yeah. And then these Boy Scouts were like, um, they were always like, what's the motto? Be prepared. <laughs> anyway, the Boy Scouts were um, were able to jump into action. So I think like my nephew JT is in the Boy Scouts as well. And I know I took him hiking this weekend and he was pretty well prepared. So that's good news. Boy Scouts are helping out after train derails. Yeah. Pretty simple story. Um, the next one here is an interesting one. So, Stomp, you had sent this to me, and then our friend Al had also sent this to me. And this is a cautionary tale for me personally because I've sort of I've flirted with doing some of this stuff in the past. But this, this story is a man was rescued while trying to retrace steps of a family who died in Northern California hiking trail. Right. So this goes back to um, that couple that had – died in northern california they had um, been with their baby and their dog and like at first it was like they had died of hypothermia then they died at heat of heat exhaustion or whatever but you know it was kind of a mystery that this couple died like maybe it was about a year i think they went missing like two years ago they were finally discovered at a later point but there was a tourist from michigan who tried to retrace the steps of this family who died during this grueling summer hike in northern california and sure enough, he ended up getting lost and he needed a rescue. So they didn't identify the guy, but he was reported missing near the same location where this family 
um, had gone missing and the local sheriff posted a statement on social media and he was basically like, um, you know, this, this family, it was like a two month thing where they had tried to determine their, their cause of death. And ultimately they, they determined that they died of like heat exhaustion. Um, but this, so fast forward a year or so and this hiker ended up getting lost trying to retrace their steps. So the trail was located at the, or the car, his car was located at the trailhead. And then eventually, like, there was somebody that had spotted this guy from Michigan the day earlier. The guy told him he was investigating this family dying. And then eventually, like, they, they initiated a search and rescue crew. They used helicopters. And I guess this guy was in his mid-60s. And he was wearing sweatpants. And it was super hot. And he was not an experienced hiker. But eventually, they found him. Um, and, you know, they treated him for dehydration. He was badly blistered. So he was trying to be out there like a, a MacGyver trying to figure out what's going on with this, with this search and rescue. So PSA from <laughs> us is like, don't try to investigate search and rescue stuff on your own, especially if you don't know what the hell you're doing. <laughs> I suppose. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we do it all I mean, the time, sort of, but if you're going to do it, well, be prepared. I mean, come on. Yeah, I mean, I've sort of flirted with like trying to go like I wanted to do a, a bushwhack to find, see if we could find the remains of that guy from MIT that went missing in 83. And like, I know there's another young man that had gone missing on Mount Washington that like I've always said, like, I'd love to go sort of explore off trail, but it's just not safe. Like, it's not something that you want to get involved in. Um, unless you really know what you're doing. So it's uh, but this funny. guy was clearly just a clown. Well, it's funny that uh, he found himself in similar situations. Of, like the authorities determined that these original people were stuck in 109 degree temperatures. So in steep mountain terrain as well. And that's what uh, led to their demise. So he put himself right back in that same situation. So I don't know. Yeah, he's like, let's reenact that. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> reenactment <laughs> yeah exactly uh, um, all right so n- moving on to, we'll do two local stories stomp and then we're gonna we'll hold everything else for the next episode but uh first one is there is an older gentleman in Hampstead that is missing with dementia so uh there's an extensive search going on for this guy but um i think he's been gone what three four days stomp Oh, yeah, uh, absolutely. No updates as of uh, today, which is the 12th. Yeah, which is sad. I mean, we do hear these quite a bit. I think that there's been some like line searches going on, and like I don't know if they have any leads on this guy. Yeah, if you look at some of the local search and rescue teams, New England Canine, they have not um, had any luck finding this individual. So that's uh, that's pretty devastating well you know we'll see what happens but it's been several days so the longer that these things go out um the more desperate it it becomes yeah yeah exactly um but there's a few more stories here but i'm just going to close out with this one here and we'll push the rest to um next week's episode but this one happened on sunday around five o'clock new hampshire fishing game we're notified of a hiker suffering from unknown medical condition on valley way so 36 year old female hiker uh, from connecticut had hiked up airline trail good for her because if it's a nice day friends do not let friends hike up the valley way trail you take the airline trail going up adams but anyway the hiker went up airline she didn't she didn't start she didn't feel well she started feeling sick 
And um, I guess her and her friend made it to the Madison Spring Hut where they were able to rest, rest and attempt a recovery, waited a few hours, and eventually the pair decided to attempt to hike down the valley way. I'm assuming they were probably in contact with the hut crew there, uh, but they only made it about a quarter mile down before um, she couldn't continue. And that section of valley way is like, that's not a great section because people think like valley way is like an easy trail and it's, it's, it's not that bad, but it's still like that section is like steep and it's also like sort of like tilted into the ravine. So it's like not good footing there. So um, eventually a call was made for help and conservation officers along with the AMC and um, Avsar and Pemisar responded to help. And she was about three and a half miles up. So they went in, looked at her condition and made the call to um, – have her hike back up to, or they either they carried her back up, I'm not sure, but they brought her back up to an area where an Army National Guard helicopter could um, take her off the mountain. So they were able to do this nighttime rescue operation by hoisting the patient in the helicopter around 11 o'clock at night. And then um, they were able to get the helicopter to Gorham Airport where she was transferred to an ambulance and went into Androscoggin Valley Hospital. So it says that she had life-threatening conditions. So I don't know if it was like some kind of a medical situation that developed, but that's it's pretty scary. No update on her condition, but hopefully she's doing well. Yeah. Kind of crazy. Yeah. Otherwise, it's been a fairly tame season. Yeah, it seems like uh, District 1 has been uh, quite busy. I'm not quite sure what uh, Lakes has been up to, but um, yeah, fingers crossed it stays uh, fairly calm. Yeah, yeah, it's been knock on wood. Franconia Ridge has been quiet, Stomp. <laughs> yeah, haven't been to Falling Waters since probably last uh, last summer, maybe. Who knows? Yeah. Very unusual. Exactly. Awesome. All right. Well, Yuma, you did your, uh, you made it through another podcast. We've got your Instagram. We've got your links to um, Yummy Life. We've got the Veterans on the 48. We'll post some pictures of, uh, you know, your your Instagram and a few of Dublin. And, you know, please let Dublin know. Make sure you give him like so, bacon or whatever Dublin likes. Give give him bacon or whatever snacks he wants on behalf of the the Sounds Like a Search and Rescue podcast. And you know, thank you so much for joining us. Well, thank you for having me. Thanks, Yuma. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed the show, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you want to learn more about the topics covered in today's show, please check out the show notes and safety information at slasherpodcast.com. That's S-L-A-S-R podcast.com. You can also follow the show on Facebook and Instagram. We hope you'll join us next week for another great show. Until then, on behalf of Mike and Stomp, get out there and crush some mega peaks. Now covered in scratches, blisters, and bug bites, Chris Staff wanted to complete his most challenging day hike ever. Fish and game officers say the hiker from Florida activated an emergency beacon yesterday morning. He was hiking along the Appalachian Trail when the weather started to get worse. Officials say the snow was piled up to three feet in some spots and there was a wind chill of minus one degree. And there's three words to describe this race. Do we all know what they are? Oh! 
Lieutenant James Neeland, New Hampshire Fishing Game. Lieutenant, thanks for being with us today. Thanks for having me. What are some of the most common mistakes you see people make when they're heading out on the trails to hike here in New Hampshire? It seems to me the most common is being unprepared, and I think if they just simply visited uh, hikesafe.com and got a list of the 10 essential items and had those in their packs, they probably would have no need to ever call us at all.